In Deuteronomy chapter 6, the word of the Lord says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be written on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk with them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be the frontlets on your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and of your gates. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God whom you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall live your lives. It's our privilege this morning to join with some families as they take steps to live out this passage of scripture. To make their faith central in their lives and inside of the lives of their families. Lots of churches find different ways to stand together in these great moments. This is what we do at our church is that we recognize this family and we come together uh, to celebrate with them the new life that is in the life of their church. We come together with them as they make a commitment that says we are going to make our faith central in our house and we're going to see that as our first responsibility in terms of protection and care and instruction and education for our kids is that spiritual instruction and care for their lives. So it is a celebration. It is a statement of commitment from these families. And then also it's a reminder to us as a church that our work isn't finished. There is yet another generation that our church is to reach, minister, to build up. This moment does not mark the same kind of thing that we just marked in baptism. Baptism is when we look back on what God has done inside of our lives. Part of the prayer for these families is that we look forward to when each one of these little ones can choose for themselves just as Sawyer did this morning and say, that's my story, that's what Jesus has done for me, and that's my response. So I'm going to invite these families, uh, if you'll come stand across the front of our church this morning, we want to see you. I always get my talking out of the way before the cute kids stand in front of you because I know that the moment that they stand up there, uh, nobody's listening to me. So families, would you stand? Lori, if you'll have your families uh, come with you. This is Lori Quave. She's the director of our, of our uh, Sprouts Preschool Ministry. That's a brand new name, our Sprouts Preschool Ministry. So come on down. All right, let me introduce you to these families uh, here this morning. Uh, we have the Thompsons right here in front of us. This is John, Carl, and Jessica. And uh, what you see in front of you is John Easton Thompson, a uh, little one right there, but also uh, big sisters Adeline and Avery, and uh, grateful for them. Uh, their grandparents are Gordon and Mary and Young and Judy uh, Thompson. Uh, we also have on the left here, we have the uh, Ruckmans. Uh, this is uh, Paul and uh, Taylor. And uh, you see there, uh, Knox Paul. Knox is about to turn one years old. How you doing, Knox? You doing well? Got big plans for the birthday? Good, good deal. Uh, and then sisters Kennedy and Cameron uh, are standing with him as well. Grandparents uh, Mike and Kathy and Steve and Debbie. 
Uh, we also have the Skinners right here to my right. Uh, this is Jeremy and Madison. And uh, what you see in front of you is Shay, who's four months old. How you doing, Shay? Great, 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 great. And then, of course, Kennedy here, who's three years old as well. And grandparents, uh, Johnny and Juanice Skinner, and Stephen and Re Reba uh, Weymouth uh, as well. Uh, grateful for them. And then we have to, right here in front of me, are the Kleins, uh, Carrie and Emily Klein. And then uh, James Graham Klein. Uh, James is 14 months old. Uh, grandparents are Kim and Wanda right down uh, front here. Aaron and Ruth and Vaughn and uh, Joe Lynn. And we're grateful for all of those extended families. And then all the way over here to my right is uh, Joseph and Nancy Rizzi and Ryan Victor Rizzi, who's picking out friends in the choir loft. That's great. Uh, grandparents are uh, Pedro and Catalina, uh, Joseph Rizzi, and then David and Penny as well. And so we're grateful for them. If you are part of those families, would you just stand with us as we uh, pray over each one of these families? Our Heavenly Father, it is just such a great gift, Lord, of life. The expansion of these families. Lord, the assignment that you have given to each one of these families to care for, nurture, build up, develop, and disciple these children. Lord, we thank you for the joys that each one of these children will bring to these families. Lord, we pray that you give these families wisdom that they will need as the days, weeks, and years unfold. Lord, we pray that you'd be with their own faith as moms and dads and as grandparents. Lord, as they make a commitment in their own faith to make you central to everything that they do. And then, Lord, as they extend that to the next generation. Lord, we thank you for their lives and we pray for the day. When each one of these little ones comes to the place when they understand what you've done for them. And Lord, they can celebrate that on a day with baptism as well. And Lord, we pray that you would be growing each one of these families. So Lord, we do pray that you would be with the Rizzi family today with Joseph and Nancy. Lord, we pray that you'd be with the Kleins, with Carrie and Emily. Lord, we pray that you'd be with the Skinners, with Jeremy and Madison. Lord, we pray that you'd be with the Ruckmans, with Paul and Taylor. And then, Lord, we pray that you'd be with the Thompsons for John Carl and Jessica. Lord, blessings upon their lives, great joy, great wisdom, and great endurance in the task. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, families. You may be seated. We have a moment in our services that we kind of emphasize one of the ministries in the life of our church. I wonder what ministry we should emphasize this morning. Uh, we're going to emphasize our preschool ministry. Uh, we've just actually done a remodel of that area. And after church this morning, if you want to go down that hallway, if you've never been down that hallway, you're going to see where our preschool ministry happens. If you haven't been down that hallway in a while, you're going to see the changes that have happened to so many folks. Uh, Lori and her team uh, 
many of our parents were involved in, in getting that redone in there, and it looks great, and we're grateful for that. Uh, but that's been made possible because folks like you give on a regular basis in the life of our church, and so we are thankful for that. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you just continue to grow and build and develop this church as we seek to have ministry for all ages. Lord, for people that are part of the life of this church and for people who we've not yet met, Lord, Lord, I pray that you build up the work of this church. Lord, I pray that through your people, that, Lord, you will give us the resources we need to do the work that you have assigned. We pray this in your name. Amen. We have a couple things that we're going to do this morning. Uh, one is a message that I've been had on my heart that I've wanted to share with you. Uh, I don't always have a message laid out weeks in advance. I kind of know where I'm going, but I don't always have the message out in front of me. But I've had this message uh, kind of in a notebook for uh, several, several weeks now. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you in just a moment. But when that message finishes this morning, we're going to roll right into uh, the Lord's Supper. And as you came in this morning, uh, you should have received received uh, one of the little uh, Lord's Supper uh, packets. And in fact, this morning, if you don't have one of those, just before we start, Dylan is going to help us take care of that. So if you need to pick up one of these, just kind of nonchalantly uh, raise your hand and they're going to take care of you on that uh, so that you're taken care of. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're taking a look this morning at Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. It says, On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt to the land that came into the wilderness of Sinai, they came out of Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. I want you to notice real quick that there is an emphasis here that where they are hanging out is what we call in the business 
the wilderness. I mean, here it is. It's just told you three different times. It's in the wilderness. By the way, it's the wilderness. In case you're wondering, this is the wilderness. In fact, it says, There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called out to him of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Our Heavenly Father, we do ask that you be our teacher, that you be our instructor. Lord, we pray that you would every time that we come to your word, that you would correct us and challenge us, encourage us, commission us, love us, inform us, build us up, Lord, as we hear the words that you have saved for us for this very day. We pray this in your name. Amen. I think I've mentioned it before, but one of the little hobbies that Susan and I have is as we travel every once in a while, we are trying to make a checklist of going to the highest point in as many states as we can possibly go. Uh, we love to just kind of do something adventurous, something that's got a list, has always been kind of big with us. And so we're starting to work our way through the list. You can see a couple of the places that we've uh, been here. Uh, that is uh, Mount Mitchell, North Carolina, beautiful place. In fact, you can see Hammond from the top of that mountain. Maybe not. Uh, but it looks like Hammond, if you look carefully. Uh, the next one here is uh, some mountain that is one foot into South Carolina. They basically borrowed their highest point from North Carolina. Uh, the next one is a trip that we took this summer. Uh, the view is not quite as gorgeous, uh, but this is the highest point in Oklahoma. It's top of a plateau, and it's a little bit of a hike uh, to get there. Uh, we also went this summer to the highest point in Kansas. It looks an awful lot like what you would expect the highest point in Kansas to look like. Now, one of the first ones that we ever went to was the highest point in Florida, and I could not find any of my pictures from the highest point in Florida. But if you want to know what the highest point in Florida looks like, just go out to the parking lot after church. It looks just like the highest point in Florida. In fact, it is a little stand and there's a little parking lot. That's it. You, you've basically been to the highest point uh, in, in Florida there. We, we love to go to those places because you can see such a great scenic view. There's, there's a great story. There's a great adventure that comes in those kinds of places. But here's the good news this morning. The good news for every single person who's here is that you are standing at a scenic overlook right now. Now, I don't know how many of you, when you're traveling, when you see one of the signs on the highway that says, scenic overlook ahead, there's probably one person in the car that says, keep going, and the other person, oh, we've got to stop. It might be great. I'm the we've got to stop kind of person. You never know what's out there. You want to see the view that just suddenly comes out of nowhere. You don't want to miss the scenic view. In Exodus chapter 19, Moses is standing on one of the most famous mountains in all of the world. He is standing on Mount Sinai. It looks something like this. Now the truth is we don't actually know which one of those is Mount Sinai. 
But does it really make a difference? They pretty much all look alike, don't they? But when Moses is in Exodus chapter 19, that's what he's looking at. Either from there or to there, that's the scenery that he's looking at. In fact, we're not going to unpack it this morning, but if you look at the rest of Exodus chapter 19, God continues to tell Moses, go to the top of the mountain, and then Moses goes to the top of the mountain, and he says, Moses, go down to the bottom of the mountain and tell the people, and he goes down and he goes up, he says, now go back up to the top, and then he gets to the top, and Moses, God tells Moses, go down to the bottom, and Moses goes up and down this mountain about five different times. Now, if I'm Moses, I'm like, God, couldn't we put this all on one list, you know, so I make one trip? Keep in mind that Moses is about 80 years old when he's going up and down these mountains. But what I want you to know this morning is that you, right where you are on this day, even though it feels like we may be in the middle of the wilderness in this season, you are standing at a scenic overlook. In fact, you can see the very same things that Moses can see from this mountain. And I don't mean the topography here. I don't mean that you can catch the exact same views of all of this place. But you can see the same things that Moses sees. What's amazing about Mount Sinai and what's amazing about this moment for Moses is that this isn't the first time that he stood at this spot that he stands on in Exodus chapter 19. Because what scripture tells us is the spot that he's standing on in Exodus chapter 19 where he's about to receive the Ten Commandments, this spot, this exact spot that he's standing on is the exact same spot that he was standing on when God spoke to him in the burning bush. It's the exact same location. In fact, one of the things that God says to Moses as he is having this encounter with Moses and Moses is given an assignment from God and Moses keeps saying, I can't, I can't, it's impossible, it's too much. You've got the wrong person. Are you sure that's the right number? That's not really me. I'm not supposed to do that. And God says, listen, one of the ways in which I'm going to prove this to you is that when all of this is done, you're going to stand here on this very same mountain again, and you're going to be able to look back and see that I have fulfilled all of the things that I promised. And so, I don't know whether Moses went back looking for the burning bush. If I came back here again, I probably would want to get my picture taken. This is the burning bush where it all started. We, we don't know that if he did that. We don't really know what happened to the burning bush. But it is the very same spot And what I would tell you is that you can see the same things that Moses saw that day. Let me mention to you some of the things that Moses could see on that day. You can see all the ground that you have covered. Moses could see from this mountain all the ground that he could cover. He could look back and remember from the time that he stood in those very same places, the very time that he stood there with his sandals off before the burning bush, hearing the voice of God, and he could see the ground that he's covered. Because the last time he was here, he was a runaway. He was a dropout. As God spoke to him and says, this is what I want you to do, he was an incredulous prophet, thought it was impossible that God could ever use him to do the things that God was talking about. In fact, the fact is, I don't know that Moses believed that God could do the things in general, and he certainly didn't think that God could use Moses to do the things that he was talking about. Moses also looks back, and what he can see from the top of this mountain is not just that he used to be a runaway and a dropout and an incredulous prophet, but he was also an overwhelmed statesman. 
He was a shepherd for 40 years, kicking around the wilderness, chasing sheep, trying to keep track of how many sheep he had and have the same number at the end of the day that he had at the beginning of the day. And then all of a sudden, he's called to walk into the very courts of Pharaoh and announce to Pharaoh with his strongest voice that he possibly could, uh, let my people go. What an intimidating moment. And yet Moses did it time and time again. Moses survives 10 different plagues. Moses, by the end of this story, has defeated and overcome the international superpower that was all that Egypt was. And now he stands here in this same spot as the undisputed leader of an entire nation. From this mountain, from the scenic view that you and I stand at today, we can see the ground that we've covered. You know, all of that list from runaway and dropout to undisputed leader of the nation, do you know that none of that happened overnight? I would tell you that this is a matter of, of some period of time. And strangely, for most of those moments, it likely felt in Moses' life that nothing was happening. It was just the daily grind. It was dealing with the daily obstacles. It was getting up every day and saying, I don't think we're getting anywhere in this world. But all of a sudden, Moses comes back to this scenic point, And he can look back and be astounded by the ground that's been covered. I bet you there's a real possibility that if you lift up your eyes and take a look, even in this season when it feels like we are sitting in the wilderness, even in this season, I bet if you look carefully, you can see a similar view. The journey that you have traveled in this year, the journey that you've traveled with your family, the journey that you have traveled with some loved ones, the places where you've been over the last few years, the journey of a lifetime, and look back and see what it is that God has done in your life and to see the ground and the journey that you've covered. It's an amazing view. But I would also tell you that from this scenic overlook, that what Moses saw and what you can see is God's faithfulness. What Moses saw and what you can see is God's faithfulness because it's not just a matter of Moses went here and Moses went there and Moses experienced that, but what he sees behind all of those things, at the heart of all of those things, is this is what God did. All of the impossibles, all of the no ways, all of the dead ends, all of the no way outs, and yet God showed up in every single one of them. Every one of those moments where it seemed like it was too close to call, every single one of those moments where it seemed like this is impossible, God, we're not going to get anything done, we're not going to make it, I'm going to look like a fool, I'm going to fail, I'm not going to be able to recover from my mistakes. But in every single one of them, God revealed himself and God showed up and God did it. And here's the truth that I want you to know, that this same faithful God of Mount Sinai is the same faithful God who is at work in your life today. Hear this, this is not relegated to the word of God. This is not relegated to famous people from the Bible. This is the same God 
that desires to come to work inside of your life today. In fact, as folks were coming into church this morning, I had a chance to talk to some folks, and one of the folks told me a story that happened to them yesterday. Uh, yesterday, they were running errands. They came to a particular location, a particular store, and when they came back to their car to start their car, it wouldn't start. And in fact, as they continued to work with their car, all of a sudden, smoke started to come pouring out of their car. And this is not a person uh, that, that I think felt really comfortable with saying, you know what, I'll just be the mechanic and I can fix this. So here she is isolated, away from home, cars not working, in a public place, doesn't really have anybody to call, and just kind of stuck. But she said, but I had a confidence and a peace that God was going to take care of that situation. And then an individual walks up and says, can I help you? Well, She's got to make a decision here whether she interacts with this person or not. And you understand some of the trepidation that maybe she doesn't want to interact with herself. She doesn't want to make herself vulnerable. So he says, can I help you? And she says, I guess I'm going to need some help. He pops the hood of the car. He takes a look at the car. He immediately is able to identify what's wrong with the car. And he says, I happen to have the part with me right now. And she, he fixed it. And off she went. That's the faithfulness of God. That's the same God that rescued Moses time and time again. He still shows up and still is rescuing people in Ponchatoula in November of 2020. That's the God that you and I have. And when we stand from the very scenic overlook that we are standing on in this moment, you can see the faithfulness of God. But I'll also tell you, that the third thing that Moses could see, the third thing that you can see this morning is that you can catch a glimpse of what is next. You can catch a glimpse of what is next. Now, to be honest with you, this is the fuzziest part of the view. Uh, there on the top of Mount Mitchell in North Carolina, it does kind of have a little ring around the rail, and they can tell you as you stand here, you're looking toward Asheville, you're looking toward Nashville, you're looking toward Gashville. I, I don't know, they're all Ashevilles. I don't know what the thing is up there, but, but, but you're looking in all of these different directions, and they can kind of tell you, and, and depending on what the cloud cover is that day, you can see different things. And so we can kind of look back and easily see the ground that we've covered, and if we kind of have some sensitivity inside of our heart, we can see the faithfulness of God. But sometimes when we kind of walk around that, 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 that viewing tower and we take a look at the one that says the future, well, that's a tough one to see, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's the one that we really, really want to see, I think. And that's the one that we're really kind of curious about. We really want to know what happens next. And the truth of the matter is that is the one that's the fuzziest one to see. It's the one that we can't quite see. We, we want to know what it's going to be like in three months' time. We want to know what it's going to be like in, in three years' time. There, there are things that you and I are unpacking in our lives that we really would like to know what happens next. But even in this place, what God says to Moses, he says, listen, you have seen what I have done and what I've done for the people. And he says, if you will be faithful to be obedient to my word, then here's what I will do for you next. And what he says here is, you will be my treasured people. Man, what a great word to be the treasured people of God. 
we, we spent quite a bit of time this fall talking about the promises of God. And the promises of God are that he will love us and care for us. Now, we can't always see around the corners. We can't always see what's next. But I will tell you that you can see what is still to come. A faithful God who will love you, care for you, and provide for you everything that you need. Now, the thing is, this is the most difficult of views, which is the reason why the other two views matter so much. It is when we see the ground that we've covered and we see the faithfulness of God in the past, we can realize that if he's been trustworthy there, then he will be trustworthy going forward. And so friends, this is an unknown season. This is a bit of a wilderness that we just can't wait to shift out of these days. But I will tell you that as faithful as he's been to bring you to this place, and as faithful as he's been over history, he will be faithful for every day going forward. I want to take just a moment about the now what. And I want to talk just a little bit about your own faith. Because we've talked a little bit about just life in general. But what I want you to hear is that our walk with God, our spiritual growth, our spiritual development really fits into this pattern just the same way. There, there are times that we have these great moments where big things are happening in our lives spiritually, big landmark moments of our lives. We see God answer prayer. We, we, we see big shifts happen in our lives. And then we come to some times where it just seems like it's dry and it's slow and it's a wilderness and we're just waiting for something new to come along. But I would tell you that God is at work. And, and I will tell you that, that one writer has described discipleship being a follower of Jesus as this. He says it's a long obedience in the same direction. In other words, he says just keep moving the right direction. Sometimes it is a grind. Sometimes it is just overcoming daily obstacles. But if you will stay faithful, a long obedience in the same direction, keep moving in the same direction, then you'll be able to stand from the next scenic overlook and say, well, God has been doing some things in my life. I am growing to become more like Jesus inside of my life. There's a famous book that's about four or 500 years old. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. It is a fictional story of a man named Christian who is trying to get to the celestial city. And as he encounters different distractions and obstacles and pits and all kinds of things, there are seasons where he gets it right and there are seasons that he gets it wrong. But the whole premise there is make progress. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And inside of your spiritual life, keep moving in the right direction. And every once in a while, you'll be able to stand at an overlook and say, well, look at the ground we've covered. Look how faithful God has been. And look at what God has next for our lives. There's one more thing that we want to do this morning in terms of, of overlooks 
and that is the Lord's Supper. Because that's really what this is, our table that we usually have out. But the, the table with our elements of the Lord's Supper, it is designed from the very beginning to be an overlook. To kind of stand there in that moment and look back and to remember. In fact, the passage of Scripture tells us in just a moment that not only are we supposed to look back, but we're supposed to look forward as well. So we're going to transition to the cup and the bread in just a moment.